while listening, to me at least, is really about letting go of this control over what's going to happen and really open up to weird, strange, maybe unwanted or maybe very beautiful, delightful things. So, welcome to Here's to the Future with me, I'm Bach. I'm Nadine Busenberg, the Program Manager at Stijp. And today we will talk about this year's festival team. So the Stijp Festival 2023 team is the art of listening. And to read a bit about uh, this team. In a time when speaking is dominant, Stijp asked the question, how can we learn to revalue the art of listening? So what would an environment for active and empathetic listening look like? How can we train our ears and hearts to be more receptive to our fellow human beings, to plants and animals, to nature? And how can we learn to listen more carefully to our own bodies and intuition? So these are a lot of questions. Today we will talk to uh, Dutch philosopher Miriam Rasch, who is also working at the art school Willem de Koning. And, um, She's writing a book about listening, on the importance of listening and where we might find the answers. Welcome, Mio. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm uh, super happy to be talking to you today in Rotterdam, in your yes. office. Yes. Yeah, but before we talk about the team in more detail, do you consider yourself a good listener? Well, yeah, that's a good question. When I started working on the theme of listening, I really noticed quite uh, quickly that I wasn't a good listener. <laughs> but I think it's also, well, not to let myself off the hook, but I think most people are not that good listeners. Um, but you don't really notice it. Instead, you know, you have to start noticing and then you see quite uh, soon that that you're not listening very carefully most of the time. But as soon as you start noticing, you become a better listener. So I'm, I would say by now, I'm at least a far better listener than when I started. So, so everyone can become a good listener. Well, that's nice to hear. <laughs> Happy to hear. Um, yeah, so I think we know each other. It mm -hmm. might be interesting for the listeners. We know each other from the Institute of Network Cultures. True. We worked uh, a few years ago. We worked together. Um, and then during Corona, we had, a, I, I think I remember well, is that we had a meeting in January. It was dry January again. <laughs> we were also talking about dry January, um, which might have more to do with being good listening. I mean, it's also something of attention. And yeah, awareness. it heightens your senses when you're sober all the time. Yeah. So... Um, then we started talking about, you were telling me that you were collecting quotes about listening. Yes. And then at some point, Todd, the director at Stripe said, hey, maybe we should make the theme of Stripe Festival 2023 listening. And I said, well, a friend of mine is writing a book or collecting uh, notes. So what made you start doing this? Well, it actually came out of my um, previous book uh, or the one that just came out um, back then, which was uh, uh, Friction, Ethics in Times of Dataism in Dutch. Uh, and uh, well, that's uh, like this philosophical analysis of data and how they shape our worlds and ourselves and our communication and how they automate basically everything around us. And... 
I was talking to many people about the book, but I remember vividly talking to one person and um, he said, I was really fascinated by the end where you say very uh, shortly something about the need for listening in an age of data. And I was like, oh my God, he actually read all the way through to the end. Because it's true, I, I wrote like one paragraph um, where I kind of made the hypothesis, like maybe we should, you know, uh, learn how to listen a bit more in a time of, of data telling us, you know, what to think and who we are and so on. Um, so that kind of started and I thought, why did I write the, this very short paragraph completely at the end of the book? Maybe I should dive into it a bit more. And um, so that's what I decided to do. That's already, is it two or three years ago? Um, and yeah, and then it was January and I thought, um, let's collect one source or quote about listening every day, like this kind of challenge January challenge. Yeah. So that's what I did, and that's kind of where it started, and uh, still growing from there. How many do you have, do you think? Uh, well, at least 31 for each day of January, but <laughs> it was really nice that um, I also gave myself like the, the, the task to listen in collecting these quotes. So I just asked a lot of people, also you, like, do you know any good quotes or sources about listening? And I listened to what people uh, came back with. Uh, and that was really cool because people also kept coming back with yeah. uh, stuff and still do. Like, are you still working on listening here or something? I just got an email uh, today, you know, there's a new book. It's called Quantum Listening. Do you already have it? So, yeah, it's, I don't know. I have, um, yeah, tens and tens and tens of... Uh, quotes and sources by now. Nice, and so uh, can you share some quotes? Yes, I, I dived into my uh, notes um, and shall I just yeah. read some? Read some of your favorites, I'm really curious. Um, yeah, so one that I find really poetic and, and beautiful is um, hearing is a way of touching at a distance. Oh, beautiful. So touching without having to be near. And um, one that I find funny is uh, by Kate Murphy. She wrote a book about um, listening as well. Uh, if I really listened to the people in my life, I'd have to face the fact that I detest most of them. <laughs> so that's maybe the, a danger of listening that, you know, if you really start listening, you might also hear things that you don't like, and it might turn out that people are really just talking a lot of bullshit. Yeah. Um, Maybe including yourself. Including yourself, indeed. Yeah. Or, like, what I also noticed, you asked, like, are you a good listener? Uh, and I said, well, I really found out I'm not a good listener, but I also found out that almost all people are yeah. not good listeners. And that can be quite... Uh, um, painful or you know that you really find out like no one's actually listening to me <laughs> oh damn it so another um, meaning of the word listening is uh, uh, listening as obeying so you listen to me now um, but actually the the quote that I started with 
uh, came from an article from a scholar that I like a lot and admire a lot. His name is Rolando Vasquez. Um, he writes, uh, we could say that modernity's monopoly over representation is grounded on the negation of listening. That is the negation of language as relationality. You need to think longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you can yeah. explain a bit why why did you choose this quote because it's quite a complex one. Yeah. Well, I like this idea of listening as a relational practice or activity. So, listening is always establishing a relation to that which you are listening to. If yeah. it's a person or nature or your gut or, or your whatever. thoughts yeah so it's the, the with relational it means that it's you cannot it's not a thing that you do on its own it's always in relation to something else yes and also it's not uh, you sending out words your thoughts or speech or whatever you have to open up to what comes to you yeah so it's also about uh, uh, vulnerability or and I think that's also what he means when he says like modernity's monopoly over representation. That's really like um, wanting to decide what something is and putting like a category on everything and um, defining everything, describing everything. Yeah. Um, while listening also asks you to let go of categories or definitions or... Yeah, and open up to that which you don't know yet. So maybe it also means just being with what is, without trying to put the words on it. Yes, but I'm writing a book about it, so I need to put words on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good, good. So um, enough quotes for the book. Yes. Um, so what will the book focus on? What will you try to achieve in the book? Yeah, I'm still asking that question myself. But I think, um, so I'm kind of starting from, well, of course, like you start from a, a crisis or a problem or whatever. So there's a problem with listening, I guess, in our very technological age, where there's just a lot of sending, you know, and everyone is uh, voicing their opinions and speaking their minds and not really listening to what comes back. But then it's very easy to say like, oh, we should all start listening to each other. <laughs> but what does it really mean to do that? And what can you get from it? And why is it important to, to do it? So uh, for me, that is what I also call like the ethics of listening. So you want to be, you know, you, uh, you want to make a better world and be a better person. Um, and how can listening make you do that? Yeah. And it's also like embodied research because I just go out there and try out stuff. So, yeah, you're yeah. really also the subject matter of the yeah, of yeah. the research and the, the book. I can imagine and all of the people around you. <laughs> so, yes, I try to be very good listening. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I remember also that the first meetings we had talking about the text because you also helped us uh, writing the uh, the thematic text of um, Stipe Festival, and mm -hmm. um, we were having a lot of. Um, we had quite a long conversation also about what is actually listening yeah. and what is it compared to hearing Yeah. so how do you think about this difference now what is listening 
Well, I think listening is definitely more complex than hearing, and hearing is maybe very related to the ears. Yeah, to the senses. No, yeah, but I would say listening is related to all the senses, mm. in fact, not just the ears. So you also listen with your body, yeah. um, like, like with very loud music or something. A lot of the listening to it comes from just feeling it in your body, for example. Um, and I would also say that listening has to do with um, meaning or giving meaning or looking for meaning while hearing it's it's more like the the, the mechanical process or something yeah. Um, yeah so yeah so can we only listen with our ears no so I would say no we can listen with all our senses and I also think like uh, people with hearing impairments can be very good listeners yeah Listening with your body, what, what, what does it sound like or does it feel like? This whole question of listening and sensing for a philosopher also means that you kind of step away from like rationality and uh, thinking, you know, in, in these clearly defined categories and, and, and words. And then where is the line towards just like... This is what I feel, you know. That's my truth because yeah. I feel I feel it in my body. Yeah, that's a bit dangerous. Yeah, right? it's dangerous. So where is where do you draw the line between listening as as this more like um, leading towards conspiracy almost, and still wanting also as a philosopher to think about the role of the body in yeah. meaning making and so on. Yeah, so I think the dictionary says about listening that it means with focus, with attention and um, focused hearing. So that really mm -hmm. something comes through or giving attention to your body, which means like listening to your body or listening mm -hmm. in a sense to behave. Like, yeah. yeah. So these three so why is it so hard to listen? Why do we find it so hard to listen? Well, I guess it has to do with this uh, notion of attention. I mean, um, to listen, you need to pay attention. And we all know that our capability of uh, paying attention has kind of eroded in the last years because of like the technological age, I guess. So um, the, the bombardment of um, stimulus coming at us, it doesn't help us to listen because, I mean, listening is also something that has to happen like in time. If someone is talking and you have to listen to it, you know, you have to be there in time that unfolds while you are listening. So the circumstances are just not very uh, good for listening, I think, because of that. And, of course, because our culture is very much visually oriented. So we are stimu stimulated a lot on our vision and our eyes. 
and maybe we're very trained in you know seeing and mm. uh, and understanding what we see and our our ears are a bit less trained maybe that's also one of the uh, points that we touch here. Huh? So in Western culture is a very visual culture mm -hmm. where sight and seeing prevails. So are there sonic cultures? Well, there are oral cultures, mm -hmm. I would say. Maybe more so in the past than now. Yeah. So what is an oral culture for those who don't uh, who are um, not familiar with this term? Well, I guess the historic, uh, historically, uh, oral culture is the culture before script. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the, we all get the image of people sitting around a campfire and telling yeah. stories. <laughs> um, or Homer's uh, Odyssey as a, as a oral epic. Yeah, so sharing stories, yeah. gossiping, or without uh, writing yeah, notes. But letters. there's, of, of course, still a lot of oral culture that is left also in our times, like gossiping. So what would be, what do you think would be the difference if we would want to create a more sonic culture or less visual mm -hmm. culture? Why, what would it sound or feel like? Well, I would hold it. It, it would sound a bit less noisy, which is maybe uh, contradictory, because, um, I mean, to really listen to something, you also need that sound to be kind of uh, audible, you know. So I think maybe also one of the reasons why we have a hard time listening is because there's too much information like coming at us all the time. So it's hard to direct your attention um, on the, uh, like with your ear to one information stream in a lot of noise. Um, so it would be nice if we would all just calm down and have like less information and, and more attention, more time to consume it. <sighs> I don't know if it's going to happen. I mean, it's interesting to look at podcasting as a mm -hmm. phenomenon that is really geared towards listening and maybe also reviving parts of oral culture with storytelling and, you know, sound effects and I don't know what. So I'm really wondering what is this difference between the cultural mm -hmm. uh, or the individual ways of listening? Um, and I... Also in the text uh, that you wrote, it states the growing popularity of sound-based social media, streaming services, podcasts, like this one, mm -hmm. that, it, uh, that this contributes to active listening becoming a faded skill. So um, this link to our attention is, is I think there's a very um, clear link. And I read today in an article about uh, on Time, uh, Time magazine, that there are more than 2 million podcasts with yeah. <laughs> I believe 48 million uh, episodes. Yeah. So we're. But there's, eight, there's 8 billion people, so yeah. there's still far more people without a podcast than with a podcast. Yeah. Did it also say how many people listen to 
No, I don't think so. It was actually an interesting um, cover story that I read when I in the train when I uh, took, that I took to come here to Rotterdam, and um, it reminded me about a lot of topics that we've been working on mm. over the last years, also linked to attention. Because in this um, cover story of Time, Time it says it's an excerpt of the book "Shut the Fuck Up: The Power of Keeping Your Mouth Shut in an Endlessly Noisy World" by Dead Lions. And um, it's funny because it's also this sort of the way to commodify, so mm. to make better listening uh, a skill that's or something that can be learned or mm-hmm. sold. So learning to keep your mouth shut can change your life, according to him. It can make you more mm. likable, more creative and more powerful. People who talk less are more likely to get promoted at work, prevail in the negotiations, <laughs> speaking with intentions, improves uh, relationships, make us better parents, boost your mental wellness, <laughs> and people who spend less time on small talk and devote more time to substantive conversations, which means like equal levels of talking, are happy, happier than everyone else. It's like, oh, this is some like... Becoming listening used as a yeah. or sold as um, the answer to all your problems. Basically. Yeah, exactly. I also I, I don't know. <laughs> is it? I mean, this is kind of like uh, the, being the good manager. Uh, you know, to be a good manager, you also have to listen, and you can learn how to have these active listening skills, which are probably very useful and um, based on research. But this is really like with everything that is mentioned I'm like but I know someone who is who hates small talk and is very unhappy and I think it's because he can't do small talk you know <laughs> so it it's 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 again very black and white like yeah like the the kind of go-to solution for all your problems yeah. you can't really be like that right and there are probably going to be a lot of copies sold <laughs> yeah 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 so it's become it making it's making listening i think listening as a strategy or becoming better listening as a strategy is a good thing um, yeah but here the the good listening as a strategy is to get promoted get paid more uh, have a happy marriage and so on it's not about what you're actually listening to. So it's it's very instrumental, I would say. Yeah. Um, and I think at least what I'm curious about uh, and what I'm trying to find out also in the book, and of course you can't say that, like if you start listening, this is what you'll hear because it will be unknown, you know. You don't know if you're gonna be a good leader or a good husband. Maybe you hear that you actually detest your wife. I don't know, you know. So it's like, I think what for me is interesting precisely about really attentive listening is that it sets you on unexplored territory, you know, and you can't predict what is going to happen. And I guess that's also why I started uh, this little paragraph in my book about data, because data are all about predictions and wanting to know what's going to happen, you know, what is the most likely thing to happen. Um, well, you apply the data and, and you get your uh, probability and so on. While listening, to me at least, is really about letting go of 
this control over what's going to happen and really open up to weird, strange, maybe unwanted or maybe very beautiful, delightful things. Yeah, and this is, I think, also what happens when you start doing, for instance, meditation or you yeah. see your mind, your thoughts popping up, you hear sound popping up and you just try to be um, equanimous with whatever, with mm. everything that's popping up. Yeah, um, I'm not very good at that either. No? <laughs> well, it's hard. Yeah. But I think I try to, pr- to practice it uh, more and more often. Mm. Also in January, I had this challenge oh. to, to um, practice meditation two times per day. But wow. yeah. well, I didn't do it this today. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think when you, t- you practice it, you become better. And I think that's also something that we can do. We can practice yeah. really actively trying to become better listeners yes definitely yeah you already talked a bit about this uh, data so the machines this mm-hmm. is also a topic are becoming eager listeners yeah because you know we have the voice uh, recognition devices uh, invading our houses and uh, homes workplace so they track our voices, they record our conversations, like the Zoom recorder that we're actually talking to at this moment. And we have other people or um, artificial intelligence listen to us as we search for information. So uh, you wrote in the festival text that we should not forget that sound silence and the act of listening have far reaching political dimensions. Mm-hmm. How, how, how do you think now about the devices listening? with us. Do you think we are being recorded at this moment? At this very moment. Uh, I mean, my iPhone is on the table. Your iPhone. Yeah, my iPhone as well. Uh, we have two MacBooks here, a Zoom recorder. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Zoom recorder is definitely recording us, but it's not sending this file to one of the big tech companies because it's probably not online. I mean, it's the question do you have apps that you gave permission to record your phone and uh, or record sound or your voice? And I think once you've given permission to do that, you're never sure if they're not doing it all the time. Yeah. And I'm not sure actually if, if I have that on my phone, except for the phone app. <laughs> yeah, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. 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 So but um so I'm more I'm more concerned about like these kind of Amazon app echo and you know Google Alexa. Yeah. Uh, they they lost a bit of their popularity, right? I I think you think so? I, I don't know. Like a few years ago, everyone was buying uh, Google Home Assistant mm. and uh, Amazon Alexa, I believe. But now I don't hear. Mm. I I don't hear often about uh, them anymore. Yeah, uh, uh, maybe. Yeah, I think also in Europe they've never become really popular. It's more like an, a US thing. On the other hand, I also had a conversation with someone yesterday about cars. And so that is the other thing. Most modern cars now have built-in voice recognition. And you just have to presume it's always on. So if you're in a car, and a lot of people do a lot of talking in their car, it's probably being recorded and 
stored somewhere and yeah. analyzed. Yeah. Yeah. I well, I remember, and I think you write about it in one of your books, maybe in Friction, about this. Um, there's a podcast episode. I think it's Reply All where yeah, you yeah. talk about. Does, does, recording. does Instagram listen to me and then feed me with ads? Yeah, that I think are, it happens. Yeah. I've had significant yeah. um, proof, I would say, of me sending voice recording, voice recorded uh, messages to friends mm-hmm. via WhatsApp and then getting Instagram ads that are like, ooh, but am, that I, would... am I being targeted at this? And it's like, oh, I, I told about it in voice messaging. But WhatsApp should be encrypted. Yeah. So that, then it's maybe Instagram. Or maybe it was somewhere else. Yeah. Or maybe it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But but also on the streets, like uh, there's also, like every smart appliance that has some kind of uh, voice microphone, for example, like these smart doorbells, a lot of them, they, they, they don't advertise that they can also hear what we're saying or listen to us but you know why not build in a little microphone and then google gets all the info so on the street i mean it's public space so yeah so public space is no private space (laughs) if you just walk down the street and you have a conversation and the door all the doorbells all the smart doorbells pick up also of course your face because you know they have cameras. Yeah, they see and they hear. Yeah. Okay. I'm. I'm. I started off like, no, I don't think we're listening to. Now I'm thinking, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, we're yeah. listening to all the time. Well, also in, uh, <laughs> in Eindhoven, where the type office yeah. is located at Type S, um, this former Philips uh, uh, area, they have this. Uh, they have a lot of smart city projects. Yeah. Going yeah. On. So they ha- they. I've heard that the, yeah. the, the microphones on the street to do yeah. crowd control and for yeah. safety reasons are so sensitive that they could probably uh, listen into the yeah. conversations like our team meetings we have mm-hmm. in the Skype uh, office. So it's really, uh, yeah. we're always making fun about uh, this. But uh, yeah, but on the other hand, if all these conversations are recorded and being listened to, who cares? I know uh, you care. <laughs> I know I care. <laughs> I care. But I mean, this is a lot of people nope. always say. <laughs> yeah, but that is the same as people saying, I have nothing to hide. Yeah. And then you never know what you have to hide or a new government is installed. And all of a sudden there's a different set of norms and values and you do have stuff to hide. I mean, or you're misinterpreted and, and can't prove otherwise. It's not about, I mean, I also don't really care that some anonymous uh, mechanical Turk worker would like eavesdrop on my conversation because probably they can't understand it anyway. Well, yeah, now, so the mechanical Turks are the people that are moderating our social media, yeah. for instance, in India or Or that, that are uh, used to enhance our artificial intelligence, which is not oh, that yeah. artificial, but it's really yeah. human labor that goes into it. So yeah, I also don't care that someone listens to you know my, my conversation with someone, but um, I care that it is stored somewhere and it might be retrieved and it might be searched on certain keywords 
it's more like the, the, the mass surveillance that I care about, not this one person who might listen in. Like also using all your laptop um, uh, software like Microsoft Teams or Zoom or whatever, you can just pretty well be certain that they use all of our voices to enhance some kind of AI technology. And, you know, I don't want my voice to be used for that. I'm, I, it's like, I just, I don't, I didn't give consent. <laughs> so, yeah. so no Siri yeah. on your iPhone enables. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. <laughs> and um, do you think we can use machine listening for good? Yeah, I was thinking about that. And I must say one of my um, uh, favorite resources that I, that I learned about in, in uh, you know, collecting all these quotes and so on is the artist Lawrence Abu Hamdan mm -hmm. from uh, Forensic Architecture, who uses sound and um, recording and, and machine listening in... I think a way that is also for good, for the good. Yeah, so maybe we can talk a bit about uh, forensic architecture and their work um, for those who don't know. Uh, this is a group that together with Bellingcat, for instance, worked mm -hmm. on the MH17 um, flight. They did try to re um, re um, remake what had happened by yeah. using publicly or like available sound images mm -hmm. on the internet, yeah. right? So this is their yeah. kind of their method of their way of working. Yeah, and using data. especially technological means indeed to to figure out like what are the facts actually or is the narrative that is being told is it plausible or is it possible that it's yeah. correct? And they do this in a very aesthetically also yeah. interesting ways that it's it's it's, it's pr presented that as art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, Lawrence Abu Hamdan, he uh, does a lot of pro projects which revolve around sound. So he has also done uh, amazing work um, researching uh, prisons in Syria and talking to people who have been imprisoned and having been kept there like in, d in the dark, so without visual uh, uh, memory in that sense, but having a lot of um, audible memory or uh, uh, memory of sound and re recreating these sounds to reconstruct uh, the, the prison and like uh, the, the, the way it's laid out and of course also more symbolically speaking. And um, yeah, so he's also been talking and, and writing about how recording sound can also be for the benefit, you know, of oppressed uh, people. Or um, I read in an interview also with him where he talked about how having standardized recording in police interviews was actually beneficial for, uh, for example, people uh, with a different ethnic background speaking with accents uh, and then being sometimes 
well, deliberately or not misunderstood and not being able to defend themselves in that sense. And, you know, if you have kind of standardized recording, you can always go back to uh, the recording of what was actually being said in, in a certain uh, time or place. So these are things that, that come to mind. Yeah, it also has to do with interpretation and of machines yeah. listening. Yeah. Like, find, it's also finding the truth in a way. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess, I mean, you always need this human in the loop in the end. And um, it's also never like the machines listening as if they're robots coming out of like space and descending on Earth and starting to listen to us. The machines are made by people. They are trained by people. They are employed by people. Uh, they listen to people, so it's like uh, maybe we should kind of lose that term. And, and yeah. Just like with artificial intelligence, like it's is it artificial? No, it's just human-made uh, technology. Yeah, exactly. And so maybe it's also if we if we have this question about can we use the machines uh, to listen for for good things, then it's maybe training the people to become. Yeah. Uh, better listeners as well. And so uh, one, uh, if we go back to the book by, um, uh, that we talked a bit about by Dan Lyons, he approaches some uh, ways that we can become, some mm. strategies that we can become better uh, listeners. So uh, someone said that it actually has to do a lot with, uh, in, his, in this article, it was about why are people prefer talking? Why are a lot of people always talking and not listening? And that, one of the reasons they say it has to do with the brain waves. So it's all about impulse control. And if you're out of balance or your right uh, side of your brain is a bit more active, then you are uh, better in talking or the other way around. I usually find brain arguments so boring, but continue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the, all, the answer is all about impulse control. So it's up to you. You have uh, oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. So some strategies fail out of social media become comfortable with um, uncomfortable silences, take deep breaths to slow down before meetings, <laughs> lower your voice and slow down your rhythms, and ask open-ended questions. Yes. Do you have some other strategies that we might uh, try to work with to become better listeners? Well, I really like the last one about questions. So that's really something that I noticed in myself that I ask so much more questions now that I'm working on this topic um, and really trying to not so much ask open-ended questions, but like um, non-directive questions, or how do you say that? So a lot of people ask a question but they already put in the question the answer that they're expecting. Like, oh, that probably made you feel very vulnerable. No. Yeah. It's like, no. How did it, how did it make you feel? Yeah. yeah. So that's an open yeah. question. Yeah, yeah, of course. But it's also about um, not filling in what your expectations are, but to, to be open to what you can't expect. Yeah. Like, uh, and, and to also just keep on asking questions. And 
it's true that a lot of people really love talking, but I also think that a lot of people don't actually talk a lot. And, but we hear the people who talk a lot the whole time. And to be honest, I think the people who talk a lot are the ones that get promoted and get the best jobs and the corner office and so on. I, I really disagree that if you talk less that you will be, be you know, awarded for it. Probably you won't. Um, but if you are someone who asks like uh, emphatic questions and, you know, um, really give others the opportunity to talk about themselves. I think that's also the point that a lot of these kind of become a better leader uh, people are trying to make. Uh, yeah. then, then you will be awarded because people will think that, oh my God, this person is actually interested in me, you know? And it's also a lot more interesting for yourself to ask how, how did that make you feel instead of just getting confirmed in, oh, that made you feel bad. Yeah, and it's also, I think, then you are confronted with your own biases and your own yeah. thoughts all the time while you're, if you really want to listen to the other, you, uh, yeah. you don't want to fill in the blanks. But I also think, so that's kind of listening to other people, but a really uh, big part, at least of my kind of uh, exercises in becoming a better listener is also listening to the non-human. And that can also be just, if you're sitting here, I mean, this is an office in the, now it's exceptionally quiet <laughs> because there's a train station and there's a bar and in summer that's like, complete chaos it would be you know on a friday afternoon and there's people walking yeah. by so there's all these different sounds that you usually don't even pay attention to and it's really interesting once you start it's kind of the meditative way i guess of being in the world you know and then the birds and and weird sounds that you can't locate and uh, the sounds that you make yourself, you know, even just if you open a drawer or you pick up a spoon, it's that's fascinating stuff. Yeah, and I think <laughs> listening is also if you want, for instance, want to listen to your intuition, it also means, mm. or listen to your body, it also means, oh, I feel something, so let's act upon yeah, it. Yeah. That's also an active. Um, yeah. But that also, at least for me, but I guess everyone also has to find out how it works for themselves. But uh, for me, it's also really about giving time. So it's in the conversation with other people, but also in kind of sitting down and just listening or when you're going around the house and listening to your own sounds and also listening to your own body. It's like you can't just like... Oh, I'm listening now. Oh, I know, I know. It really yeah, takes time. Yeah, it and takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of patience. Yes, yeah. and um, unconscious work or, or something. So I really believe in this, like sleep, uh, sleep a night on a decision. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because it, it's some unconscious listening is going on then, or I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So, do you have any suggestions for the future? Uh, how can how should the future of listening look like? Well, I always come back to to this idea of de-automation. So everything is increasingly automated, like machine listening is automated listening. Um, even churning out podcasts is almost like an automated thing. 
And I think um, putting a stop towards the automation of your own listening by everything around you, also by your own like uh, presumptions and in conversation, you know, you have a very automated way of responding or asking questions and it's not really interested or you're not really listening indeed, but you can kind of put a halt to that and then uh, something will kind of yeah. open. So it, I always come back um, to also being more aware of everything mm. that's happening. It's funny that things yeah. keep coming back as soon as since we uh, yeah. met each other, we're still working on the same topics in different ways and we always come back to the same concept. That's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. yeah, and it's also sometimes a bit worrying. <laughs> <laughs> Will something ever really change? Yeah, that's a yeah. good question. Well, um, thank you, Mirjam. Uh, we look forward to having you at uh, Strijk Festival because uh, during the festival you will visit us. Yes. What are you looking forward to most? Um, well, I was looking through the program and I must say I look very much forward to the workshop or scenario with uh, Martina Roponi, also because it's about noise and I find this whole concept of noise super intriguing when it comes to listening, like what can we learn from the noise and does all sound not come from noise and what is like yeah the noise of the galaxy and so and on. she will also uh, ask the question if is silence possible yeah or are is there no, always some kind of noise and is noise is silence also a form of noise yeah maybe? yeah yeah so i'm uh, i'm really looking forward to that and i'm also really looking forward to the things that allow the public so also myself to kind of uh, experiment with listening so I saw um, uh, also in the expo that there are some experiments where you can be like uh, an active participant and hopefully like learn new things just by doing it so there was something about also a prison listening in in relation to a prison in the Philippines yes yeah, that's Rebecca Hago the yeah. Act Award winners yeah, so that was really, yeah, I'm really fascinated by it because it also reminds me of uh, the work that we were just talking about. And, uh, you know, these people and artists coming from different cultures that are different from our own, I think there's really a lot to learn there. Uh, you know, talking about oral traditions or... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, um, what? So you will also visit Slam and you give a, you will observe everything, find out strategies to listen, look at the artworks, and then uh, give a key closing keynote on Sunday, the sixteenth of April, to reflect on the art of listening and what you've uh, seen. Um, I look heard, 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 <laughs> <laughs> and seen, maybe even felt, like yeah, yeah, yeah experienced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good. So. Um, Thank you, Miriam, for, your, uh, for being here, and we look forward to having you. Thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. <laughs> I hope you listened carefully. So, Snap Festival, the art of listening, takes place um, from 13th to 16th April 2023 in Eindhoven and online. 
And for more information, please uh, visit our website, um, strp.nl. We look forward to seeing you all. And hearing you all. Hearing. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You listen to Here's to the Future, a podcast by Stripe, an Eindhoven-based organization that wants to set up an open dialogue with the public, artists, designers, media makers and thinkers about the relationship between people, experimental technology, society and the future.